Welcome to the One Mic, One Voice show, building the collective conscience. Show that's created to give space where your voice, ideas, and informed opinions can be heard, appreciated, and debated. I am Michael Eric Owens, back in the One Mic studio. Man, it's kind of chilly out there today. Yeah, you might need to put on uh, put on a little fur on your back or something, you know. Because uh, it's uh, it got kind of chilly in Oklahoma. It happens like that every now and then. and uh, But it's warm in here. And I believe it's probably going to get even hotter in the studio today. Because we have a very interesting topic to go over. Um, <laughs> man, we are one step closer. Or maybe a few steps closer. Not far away from November 3rd. It's here, folks. And, uh, man, I don't know about you, but my nerves are kind of rattled. Yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not overly confident that uh, this man is going to be ejected from the White House. Where's the injection button that we can just push as a collective? <laughs> But you know what? This is, man, this is why we vote. And today, I want to talk about America's history of voter suppression. America's history of voter suppression. Um, so it's it's nothing new. I mean, that's what we need to understand. That's why the vote is so powerful. Man, you... <laughs> You would think in a democracy that our leaders would desire for all of our votes to be counted. For every person that is of voting age to have access to the vote. But some people think this is a new phenomenon that all of a sudden now people are um, restricting the rights of others to vote. That's not true. That has been part of the American landscape since the origin of this country. So why is this right to vote so important? Why is it so important? Because there are people that simply say, my vote don't count, I'm not going to vote. There are people in this country that have never voted. There's people that feel so powerless that they don't participate. Voting is one of the most important acts of adulthood. Our democracy cannot function for all people. It can function for some, and it has been functioning for some, but it can't function for all people unless we all participate. This voting, this formal expression of opinion or choice, either positive or negative, made by an individual, made by you, your choice. How many things do you control in your life? 
that you absolutely have control over, that you can say your opinion. This is one of those things that you have the constitutional right to vote. But so many, so many have no hope in that system because it has been a system that has been under attack from the beginning. From the beginning. What is voter suppression? Well, we'll define it this way. Is any effort either legal or illegal by way of law, administrative rules, or tactics that prevent eligible voters from registering to vote or voting? In other words, anything that gets in your way anything that prevents you from letting your voice be heard on election day. That's voter suppression. Now, I want to take a little uh, drive down memory lane, if you will bear with me. Because the point I want to say early on right now, and I would love to hear your comments. I'm looking at the comments now. I haven't been very good at that since I've been back in the studio. So I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to work that. So somebody send me a comment to let me know that I I can see it. Um, but I, I want you to know. That this has been an ongoing problem to prevent people from participating in the very society in which they live, not just live, but pay taxes. I mean, wasn't the uh, the whole idea of the birth of this country was no taxation without representation? I mean, wasn't it the idea that one needs to be able to have some sense of self-determination? But what we find is this, that the powers that be, which is mainly white males, have worked awfully hard created systems to prevent people who are not like them, including women, not to vote. Why would they not want you to vote? Because voting brings change. And if you don't vote, things remain the same. And they want things to remain the same. Do you understand that? They want women to make less money than a man, a white man. They don't want diversity in Congress, in our state houses, in our local government. Why? Because it keeps things the same. Whenever you get involved in a process and your voice is heard, then things begin to change. Why do they change? They change because you are different. Different is just different. Different is not deficient. Just different. Different experiences, different worldviews, different ways of looking at life, looking at policy, looking at choices. That brings about change. But no, they want things to say, stay the same. Okay, let's look at, we're going to go down memory lane. We got in the car now, and we're driving backwards. 
Yeah. Memory lane. Let's look at 1776. Only people who own land could vote. The Declaration of Independence sign, right to vote during the colonial and revolutionary periods, is restricted to property owners, most of whom, get this, are white male Protestants over the age of 21. Okay. So from the beginning, from the outset, it was designed to be maintained by white Protestant property owner males. There was no inclusion in that. Women were around then. Of course, um, slavery was around, so there was, of course, no desire to give blacks the right to vote. U.S. Constitution adopted because there was no agreement or a national standard for voting rights. States are given the power to regulate their own voting laws. Big mistake. Big mistake. In most cases, voting remains in the hands of white male landowners. So the federal government had no policy on who could vote or who couldn't. So what did they do? Left it up to the states. Yeah. And we know how that worked out. It didn't work out too well. So in 1790, only white men could become citizens. Only come citizens and vote. The 1719 naturalization law passed. It explicitly states that only free white immigrants can be naturalized citizens. Now, see, this, we could even talk about immigration and everything that's going on right now and who is the true American. We all got here one way or another, except for the native peoples. So in 1792, no need to own property in New Hampshire. New Hampshire became the first state to eliminate its property requirements, thereby extending, get this, the vote, (laughs) the right to vote to almost all free white men. (laughs) So you had white men that didn't own property that said, look, you didn't disenfranchise me. Just because I don't have no property, that means I can't vote. So what did they do? They gave them the right to vote. So you have white property owners who are males, and then you have males, white males who don't own property, but they are the only ones that can vote. In 1807, <laughs> New Jersey women banned from voting. New Jersey, where some women in African American had been permitted to vote since 1776, remember it was up to the states, changed its laws to allow only tax-paying white male citizens the right to vote. Again, see, when we look at our country today, we can't look at it in this vacuum. We have to look at it holistically and understand that this sort of thread of white supremacy, because it is white supremacy, folks. If I say that I am the only one that can vote, I'm saying I am superior. I have privileges over you. 
white supremacy. I'm better. This has been a thread throughout America. And we see it today in 1828. Religion finally becomes no issue. Maryland becomes the first state to remove religious restrictions when it passes legislation enfranchising Jews. White man can no longer be denied the right to vote on the basis of their religion. So again, uh, okay, so I don't have property. You disenfranchise me because I'm not Protestant. You disenfranchise me. And so now, again, all of these restrictions are being removed, but they are being removed for who? For white males. For white males. 1848, going down history lane. America's history of voter suppression. Anti-slavery and women rights activists. They had this conference where they came together in the great Frederick Douglass addressed the crowd and he gives a speech supporting universal voting rights. And he gives such a powerful speech, such a speech that awakens these folks in attendance. And it convinces the convention to adopt a resolution calling for women suffrage. Yeah, Frederick Douglass, the ex-slave, the man himself who did not have the right to vote, energized the women's suffrage movement. Yeah, 1848, citizens granted, citizenship granted, but voting denied. See, this is, this is, (laughs) why? Why is there such an effort to take away this constitutional right that we have today for our voices to be heard? Why are you, I'm not saying you in particular, but I'm just going to use the phrase. Why are you, man, not taking this right serious today? We should be engaging all of our relatives, those who we can have a cordial relationship with, because I understand Donald Trump didn't ruin a whole lot of relationships, <laughs> friendships, and kinfolk no longer can be around one another. But if you can have a conversation with relatives, with friends, with coworkers, we need to be encouraging them to vote. Yes. This is the time. This is the moment. Because those silent voices will maintain the status quo. 1856. Well, let's go back. 1848. The Treaty of Guadalupe Hudego ends the Mexican-American War and guarantees U.S. citizenship to Mexicans living in the territories conquered by the U.S. However, get this, folks. See, there's always a caveat. Yeah, we'll give you citizenship. English language requirement. 
and violent intimidation limits access to voting. So, yeah, you can come in, but now nah, if you don't speak English, you can't vote. <laughs> man, I, I just, oh, man, this is a history. Okay. Now, 1856, all states allow white men to vote. North Carolina is the last state to remove property ownership as a requirement to vote. So, 1856. Man. You know, uh, people have died wanting to have the right to vote and never having it granted to them. People went to the polls Black folks, brown folks went to the polls and were beaten, lynched, disappeared, intimidated, simply because they were trying to vote. If we don't vote, there is no change. Again, things stay the same. Now, I'm not going to go through all of this, but I, I, I want to get to some of these amendments in 1868. The 14th Amendment to the Constitution passed. Citizenship is defined and granted to former slaves. Voters, however, are explicit, explicitly defined as male. Now, at this point, black males had had some level of access to voting. Although the amendment forbids states from denying any rights of citizenship, voting regulation is still left in the hands of the states. And we know what the South was like. I mean, this was during Reconstruction period in the South. Um, you had uh, black congressmen at this time. You had the first black senator, which was Harvin Revel, which took over from Jeffers Davis' seat when he lost it. And so you, this was a time when black justice of the peace you had. And, and, and they had gotten the political process. But then there was something called the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah. It was during this period where the Klan rise to its prominence and it just the, the, the first really American terrorist organization. And what did they do? Oh, man. Oh, man, they decimated black communities, rural places, burnt churches and houses and killed civil rights leaders. They intimidated. They intimidated. And the government, for the most part, looked the other way. Yeah. Okay. We had the 15th Amendment, of course, passed, states that the rights to vote cannot be denied by the federal or state government based on race. Sounds good. 1870? Just go back and do some history over 1870 and see. Folks were denied. Solely on the base of their race. 1872. Women tried to vote. You, Some of you know this story. Social reformer and women's rights activist Susan B. Anthony is arrested and brought to trial in Rochester, New York, for attempting to vote in a presidential election. It's a white woman trying to vote trying to exercise her her right, her human right. It should be a human right to vote. 
beyond the Constitution. It should be a right for you to express your opinion about those who govern over you. It says here at the same time, Sojourney Truth, you should know that name, a formerly enslaved woman, an advocate for justice and equality, appears at a polling booth in Grand Rapids, Michigan, demanding a ballot. She didn't get it. She did not get it. And then here we have indigenous people cannot vote. In 1876, the Supreme Court ruled that Native Americans are not citizens as defined by the 14th Amendment and thus cannot vote. They did it to the Chinese as well. The Chinese Exclusion Act barred people of Chinese ancestry from naturalizing to become U.S. citizens. And then the Dawes Act. And folks, we could go through this. I, I, I could continue to go through this. But I'm going to deal with some modern day um, suppression. But I could continue. We're still in the 19th century. I haven't got to the 20th century. In 1887, the Dawes Act passed. It granted citizenship to Native Americans, get this, who gave up their tribal affiliation. Mm. Yeah. You can be one of us, but you can no longer be one of them. You can know you have to denounce your um, traditions, your identity. But you can be one of us, but you cannot be one of them. Folks, this has been a long fight. That's what I'm trying to share with you today. It's been a long fight. We don't know this history because we are not people that read. And some of that is on us, but some of that is this is not being taught. You're not going to go into any high school or really any college because most of this stuff is taught, which I've taught before. It's called a survey course. Many of you went to the academy, know what I'm talking about. It's a survey course. You run through it. And you hit the highlights, right? Because this takes time. But if we knew this history, if we could grasp this history, things would be different. November 3rd is very important. Matter of fact, I believe our lives depend on it. And I literally mean that some, some, some (laughs) over 200,000 people have died because of this virus, because of this lack of leadership, because of this, I guess, ineptitude that's in the White House. So, yes, our lives depend on it. And I need you to vote and you need me to vote. We are codependent because our our voices alone are not enough. That's why it's a national election. And rational, fair-minded people must take this serious. Don't wait till the day of election. Vote in advance. Get it done. I know 
it can be difficult. I'm probably speaking to people that have all types of challenges in their lives. And maybe voting is voting is on the low end of the totem pole. But if you can understand what I'm trying to say to you today, folks, we need to have our voices resound on November 3rd when things are being tabulated because there's a message that we need to send. Very simple message. No more. No more. Folks, we're going to take a break and we're going to be right back here. Hang in there with me now. Again, you can always get your dancing shoes on. You know, no matter where you're at, in your car, in your living room, or wherever, you can, yeah, you can pop and lock it. Do what you need to do. Loosen up. I'll be right back. This is Michael Eric Owens, host of the One Mike, One Voice show. I want to give a shout out to all of our listeners all across the globe. Thank you for your undivided attention and for your conversation. You can catch us every Sunday on YouTube, 1230 p.m. Central Standard Time. And you can also catch us on Podbeam, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, on any one of those lovely, wonderful podcasting platforms you love to listen to. Please always remember, you can change the world. It's your choice. All right. You can change the world. It's your choice. I truly believe it is a choice. It's a choice. If we do not want discrimination, if we do not want to see innocent people slaughtered in our streets, we can stop it. It's a choice. Vote. Vote, folks. Now, I just I want to hit on just a couple of highlights here because I think they're important. In um, 1912 to 1913, women marched for the rights to vote. So it just didn't happen in Me Too. And women got out there. They demonstrated. They led voting right marches through New York and Washington. And in 1920, 19th Amendment, they got the right to vote. And there's some other things. Uh, we move forward in history. There's, man, there's just so much. Um, 
The 24th Amendment passed. It guarantees the right to vote in federal elections will not be denied because of failure to pay taxes. That's in 1964. Of course, we know about the 1965 uh, Voting Rights Act, um, which was passed. Lyndon Johnson passed that. The Voting Rights Acts of 1965 and subsequent laws passed in the 1970s, 75, and 82 built stronger voting rights. Our protections, but then I'm going to come all the way up, okay? Come all the way up to where we're at right now, okay? And I, I tell you, folks, you need to study this history. Okay, get this. Are you listening to me? The Supreme Court weakens the law. This is the the Civil Rights Act of 1965, that had ensured federal government oversight of changes to voting systems in states with a history of discrimination against minority voters. Voter suppression tactics, including purging voter rolls, imposing strict voter identification laws, limiting the number of polling locations, and cutting voting times effectively denied countless Americans the right to vote. That's recent. That's recent. So we canvass history. Oh, I got Arthur here. The system in place not only oppresses voting, it oppresses culturally, financially, and economically. Exactly. The system. The system. See, you we, we could change individuals. But if they have that system mentality, nothing will change. You have to put in individuals that believe the system needs to be transformed, not reformed. Because we, as you, as you see, part of what I brought you through in this, you know, we're in the car, we're driving back. Part of what I brought you through was this idea that the vote has always been suppressed. And so when we come to today and we see these tactics, it's the system that's designed. What, 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 when the system was designed, who was given the right to vote? It was white male property owners. And then white males that didn't have property or had a different religion from Protestant, complained, and then white men got the right to vote. All white men. The system. And when women tried, they wouldn't allow. When blacks, males got it, they got it taken away from them. And again, going back to this question of being in a democracy. What is the essence of a democracy? Is participation. Why do we see um, polling stations closing? Less places to drop off your ballot now. We should see more polling stations open. We should see more places where you can drop off your ballot. Why? Because this is voter suppression. And it's part of the American character. Mm. That's something. Part of the American character. 
because we would not even be having this conversation. We would not, the ACLU wouldn't be fighting, wouldn't have had lawsuits, pending lawsuits, if our leaders truly wanted our participation. Okay. But let's say this voter suppression, what does it look like today? People of color are disproportionately affected by voter suppression in comparison to white voters. Regardless of ethnicity, voting suppression also impacts women, LGBTQ community, plus um, Latinx, disabled, low income, homeless, elderly, college students. And statistically, most of the categories that I just identified are they, they they vote more Democratic than they do Republican. So, and get get rid of the idea that there's voter fraud. There is no voter fraud. Every study, recent study, 31 cases between the years of 20, uh, 2000 and 2014 out of 1 billion votes. 31 cases out of 1 billion. That's not, no. There's no reason to talk about that. But listen, let me give you, and I, I've, I've talked a little bit about what voter suppression is, but what is happening today? Today, we have voter ID laws. And people might say, well, you know, you should, you should be, this is the argument I hear people, well, you should be able to show an ID when you show up to vote. Well, in some states, you got to buy an ID. In some states, you got to get transportation to get your ID. It might be hard for some people to believe, but there are Americans that simply are concerned about putting food on their table. There's a mother, a father looking at their children and wondering, how am I going to feed this child? That exists in our country. So when we say it is easy, that's just foolish. What is easy for one person is like climbing a mountain to another person. And our arrogance, when I talked about that American character and our arrogance, No person should be denied. They can bring in a bill or something to say who they are. They should have the right to vote. Purging the voter rolls. In some states, get this, today, if you haven't voted, say, in the last couple elections, Oh, they just get rid of you. You purge. So when you show up, they say, but well, we don't have you. You, you're not, you can't vote. Why would you purge people from the voting role just because they didn't vote? They still have the right to vote. If I have a driver's license, do I leave it because I don't drive? Or can I drive whenever I want to drive? I mean, it makes no sense to me. It makes sense if I don't want people to vote. 
And many of these laws have been put forth by Republicans. I'm just going to, you, you can, you can look it up. Vote ID laws. Purging. Purging. When you talk about these voter ID laws, this is just um, a recent study found that between 9,000 and 23,000 registered voters were deterred from voting in Wisconsin in the 2016 election. Trump barely won Wisconsin. And then you got these um, limiting early voting. See, see, in a pandemic, when this virus is not even under control, and especially our elder population, why should they not be allowed to vote by mail? Why would we endanger? Because if I am trying to suppress the vote, I want to make it as difficult as possible. What about the felons? Isn't that what Bloomberg is doing now in Florida? Because Florida said, okay, you know, these uh, felony laws that prevented felons, ex-felons from voting. This is what I don't understand. If, if I do something, now listen to me, I ain't, I'm not a felon. I'm a law-abiding citizen. But if I was a felon, if I made a mistake, because people make mistakes, they make mistakes. Some of us just got caught for our mistakes. Let's just keep it real. So we shouldn't look down on anyone that's made a mistake because some of us have just been, we lived in the right neighborhood, we had the right connections, and it didn't go down like that for us. But then the character says, well, you know, you're a felon. You shouldn't vote. If if I do something wrong and get convicted and do my time and come out and get a job and pay my taxes, why can't I vote? I'm paying to employ the people that are making those decisions. Isn't that where tax dollars go? They go to the, go locally, they go federally. It, it, it's foolish. I've never understood why. If a person has been held accountable and have come out and they're productive in society, that we script them of their right to vote. And in Florida, Governor Sassantez, whatever his name is, he said, well, you know, listen, they have to have their fines paid. So, you know, you have all of these different legal fees, especially if you're trying to fight your case. You get all these silly fines from the city. So if you're a felon. So what he did, Bloomberg went down there and he paid a lot. But still, almost a million ex-felons will not be able to vote in Florida this year. Is that not voter suppression? Mm. What about what happened with this sabotaging election infrastructure when Trump put this guy that his that gave to his campaign Postmaster General. This guy came in. <laughs> How you going? You have this. Okay. You have the pandemic. Right. So, you know, people are going to be doing mail in ballots. So you get rid of sorting machines. You pull mailboxes. 
in key locations in minority neighborhoods. You get rid of veteran uh, employees that know how the system works. And you tell me that's not voter suppression. And then in the CARES Act, Trump was holding up the money that was supposed to go to the post office. Because he said there's going to be fraud. That's not voter suppression. Jurymandering. And both have been guilty of this, but the Republicans have been truly guilty of this. In 2010, during the 2010 census right after, the GOP initiated Operation Red Map in order to draw districts favorable for GOP candidates. This resulted in the Democrats often getting the most votes. Hillary got the most votes, right? But the GOP getting the most seats. So I draw a district that, you know what, I, I'm, it's in the end, I'm going to win. And you can get more votes. But in the end, I'm going to win the Electoral College. That's what Trump did the last time. That's not voter suppression. Yeah, it is. Operation Red Map. Okay. Oh, man. And really the last one I want to hit on, one, one of the last ones I want to hit on, is this disinformation. We're in a whole new phase now. I mean, we talked about the 19th century and went a little bit in the 20, 20th century. But in the 21st century, we're in a new phase of voter suppression with social media, with different disinformation, with this idea of the truth being so elusive. I mean, I've gotten so much negative um, pop-ups and emails and and none of that is true. Expects me about a candidate I know personally. But this is all to number one, get people so overwhelmed that they simply say, I'm not gonna do it. I I I, I don't care. I'm not gonna watch the news. I'm not I'm not I'm not listening to any of them. And you know what happens? That person doesn't vote. That's what happens. Yeah. And this one right here. Caging lists. You know what a caging list is? A political party will send registered letters to the addresses of people of the opposite party. And if the letters are returned undeliverable, then they challenge the legitimacy of the voter. Hmm. So if you move and it just comes back undeliverable, you're going to be challenged. This is what is happening in our country today. You would think it would be easy. This idea of voting and expressing yourself, well, what I've tried to show you today that it's never been easy. It's never been easy for women. Now, women today, because you have the right to, I'm speaking of white women, because you have the right to vote today, you think it's always been that way. No, it has not always been that way. 
Men didn't want you to vote. They didn't want you to participate. It was Frederick Douglass, the ex-slave, the orator, that unified with women to spark the women's suffrage movement. He was very much a supporter, not just of women, but all people, including himself, the right to vote. So who made these laws? And folks, I left out a whole lot of stuff. We don't have the time. I tried to paint a picture. Maybe it was incomplete for you. But maybe you saw the head, the leg, the arm, and you could make, yeah, that's a human. Who made these laws? White men. How did they make these laws? They voted. They enacted them. White women didn't make these laws. Black men didn't make, Native Americans didn't make these laws. I'm just speaking the truth. Who signed the Declaration of Independence? What about the Constitution? What about the Dawes Act? What about who? who? It was white men. Am I not speaking the truth? Even white men were disenfranchised. that didn't have property. Yeah. Or because of their religion at one time. We need. We need to understand that the only way we change this up is by voting. They're trying to prevent you from voting. They don't want you to vote. They want you to be lazy. They want you to feel like it's not going to make a difference. They want you to feel like, you know what? I'm so far removed from that. It doesn't even matter. Listen, it matters. You want to know if it didn't matter, they wouldn't try to keep you from doing it. Who should be making laws in the new America? Hmm. Who? You should be. I should be. All of us. I'm, I'm pleading with you today. If you have voted, man, I want to put a gold star on your chest. But don't stop there. Talk to your friends, your family, anyone who would listen to you that they need to vote. We have the power to end voter suppression. We have the power to end discrimination. We can defeat systemic racism. If we vote, why you say that, Mike? Well, what does that mean? Well, who, 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 who voted the system in? If we want a new America, we all have to participate. I was having a conversation with some young folk. And I told them, you have to. If you want to change, they said, well, our generation looks at things differently. Our generation, you know, we don't, you know, we we are more accepting. But I tried to explain to them. I tried to explain to them that unless you get engaged and involved, we could accept one another. 
we could get along with each other. But if we don't change the system, folks, things will remain the same because history will speak of us. Somewhere in the distant future, a scribe will reach down deep into the archives of her time. And what will she find? Will she find that we overcame our differences? Will she find that out of many, we became one? Or will she find that we solve nothing and remain a divided peoples? Yes, history will speak of us. Go vote. Oh
Thank you for downloading the One Mic, One Voice show. Take a moment and subscribe and share. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, or any other podcasting platform. Thank you for your continued support and for your voice. You can change the world. It's your choice. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on the One Mic, One Voice show are not the views, thoughts, and opinions of our sponsors.